We're back, 9.15 here. Hour 4 is underway. JR, Simmer and Hammer until uh, 10 o'clock. Steve Lloyd, Kenny Walls will take over in the box uh, at that point. Uh, okay, a couple of things. You heard the uh, your cue to call to win the Beat the Box Office tickets to see Kiss. You answered caller number 13, Hammer. And our winner is... Soupy! Scott Campbell. I have Alex Campbell written down. Alex Campbell. <laughs> Alex Campbell. Who's Scott Campbell? <laughs> I don't know. That was my goaltending partner growing Alex's up. Alex's brother. Yeah, exactly. And Hammer just blasting the tunes there. Man, that came out. That was coming in hot into the studio here. Alex Campbell, congratulations. You won a pair of Beat the Box Office tickets to see Kiss in concert November 21st at Canadian Tire Center. Tickets, by the way, go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. through Ticketmaster.ca. Also, congratulations to Devin Stratton. Congratulations, Devin. We drew your name from all the people who got a code word into us yesterday in our Great Sens Jersey giveaway contest. So, Devin, you have scored yourself, your very own Pro Adidas Beauty Customized Thomas Shabbat jersey is headed your way. We'll be in touch in the next couple of days with all the details. Uh, first code word already in the books this morning. We'll have another one for you coming up before 10 o'clock this morning. And Devin Stratton, I'm feeling like a Queens University. And I, I think he's probably the family from Stratton Oakmont. Remember that company? That was from Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, it's only one, How many times it's only one thing I remember from Wolf of Wall Street that uh, yeah, happened yeah. in the toy room. Yeah. Okay? Uh, that's all I got. I don't have anything else. Nothing. Uh, not, that's was, good, were there yeah. any other scenes? I <laughs> 917. Let's take you to last night's game, Sens and Hawks. Uh, this one was a game in which uh, Ottawa was dominating on the score clock or on the shot clock, but not on the score clock in the first period. Here's a chop play down low, back to the point it comes, skips off the stick of Hamannick, back up ice. Here's Kurashev to the line, cuts in, drag slide, scores! There is your opening goal. Dean Brown with a call there on TSN 1200 of Kurashev's goal. Mm, yeah. That when it happened, you're kind of like, well, that wasn't, that's not good if you're a Sens fan. It's like Ottawa's dominating the game and Chicago got the first goal, but yeah. you're thinking, okay, all things being equal, uh, you know, Sens, you know, five game win streak. They're, they're playing, you know, reasonably carrying the play. I'm sure the dam will break on. Ch- nope, 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 didn't happen. And uh, the second period was just, you know, it was boom, 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 yeah. three goals in a row. And, but was really concerning. I think it was, you know, November sends mm-hmm. that people have referred yeah. to him because yeah. it was just trading chances yeah. up and down the ice, which is the last thing you want to do when you're the better team. Yeah. Oh, for sure, Jar. And yeah, I still feel like with this group, you're pretty confident. It's a one off, uh, incredibly emotional week with the trade deadline, uh, chickering on Saturday night in the crowd and everything else. So, hey, you had a clunker, you, you get rid of it. And also, uh, on that one, and, and uh, again, I think everyone magnifies when it comes to glove hands because we had two against Talbot the other night and, of course, having to watch Matt Murray for a couple of years. But that one there, you're, you're in a good spot, but he was more in a blocking mode, and then it kind of hit him underneath the arm, went in. But just previous to that, he had made what I thought was a huge save on the breakaway, right, where it's kind of one of those games where not getting any looks, any shots. You're, you're kind of there, and you're like, oh, man, first shot you see ends up being a breakaway. Made a real nice save on it. Um, so five, nothing ends up being the final, yeah. not good in any way whatsoever. The sense, make the final. Yeah. Sense kind of came unraveled as the uh, game goes on. Uh, Brady Kachuk kind of fell on his sword, said, look, I, I was, I was very good. Uh, at one point he got in a fight. Then at the end of the game, he took a misconduct. He want looked like he wanted to fight Staylock, which I don't know if that the Chicago goalie, which I don't know if, if that's ever a good look. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can talk about it. I don't know if he ever, and the linesman's holding him back. So 
I don't know if uh, old Liney let him go, whether he would actually, because you could see Stalock <laughs> was running his mouth. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if you actually want to go and fight the goalie if you're Brady Kachuk. Yeah, he was case. going. He was going at it with the. Are they the, the Jones? Are they brothers? Yes. Okay. Uh, the younger one or the other, Caleb. Caleb. Uh, they were going at it pretty good too there. And when Brady kind of wanted a little dust up with him, he just kind of laughed it off. And then they were going back and forth. And hey, you come through the league, and and the longer you're in it. Uh, one thing you understand going into games, if the Chuck boys are playing, uh, bring your verbal game because you're going to be hearing a lot of it from both of them. Eh? Here's DJ Smith on not taking teams like the Hawks lightly. We've said this over and over, and it's it's hard to believe that we would take someone lightly considering where we're coming from and where we are. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of games left and a lot of tough games left, um, and we just got to get right back to our game and, uh, you know, there's probably some games we won that we shouldn't have won. Um, and, uh, you know, this one here, certainly we're going to have to flush it, but, but it can't happen again. There you go. There's uh, DJ Smith after the game, 5 nothing. I mean, there's two ways to look at it, right? If you're going to lose a game, you might as well lose it really badly, really poorly. That really <laughs> should help you kind of focus on, you know, we, we, need, we need to get right back to how we were playing before. Um, you know, others would say, well, I don't think a, a close loss last night would have been, in my opinion, even worse, yeah. to be quite honest with you. A close win would have been preferable to a close loss. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I think being, you sort of, you know, face planting last night in Chicago against a very poor yeah. Hawks team that's trying to lose. <laughs> I think, you know, and I'm saying it's a good thing. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But uh, of all the options, if you are going to lose, that one where you sort of embarrassed yourself a little bit, I think that will refocus you for the oh, next Oh, big game. time. I, I think it's a real nice checklist, and I also like what MJ said. And again, emotions, and we're watching every game, just like we did the hamburger run, just some margins where you're at, JR. But I also feel like, hey, you look at a game like that, if they had done that against the Islanders or Pittsburgh, uh, I guess even Florida, Washington, Buffalo, like somebody that you're vying for points and you're going down the stretch and it's interconference or inter- interdivision, yeah, I'd probably be a little more concerned now. Let's see what ends up happening in Seattle. Um, certainly not a lot of flash and dash, but a very organized team. So that's the impressive part in watching Seattle. So, there's, But I, I expect to see a, a much better, and I kind of like the spacing of it as well. I, I like the fact it's not until Thursday on the old left coast. There was no, uh, for the people uh, texting in this morning, there was no real update from DJ Smith. Gord asked him after the game about uh, what went on, what was going on with Cam Talbot, um, who apparently tweaked something. Uh, in a minor way during the game day skate yesterday, hence the reason Mad Sogard played, and hence the reason Kevin Mandelize, who was in Belleville practicing with the B-Sens yesterday morning, uh, was scrambling to get to Chicago, got there, uh, what, arrived mid-first mid period, was on the bench for the second period. For a time there, and this was interesting, mm-hmm. when that goal was, it was that goal that was scored, right? Or was it the second goal where Zub actually hit um, Sogard? in the aftermath oh, of the yeah, goal and yeah. knocked his mask yeah, off. Was that yeah. the first goal or the second goal? Okay. Second goal. Mandalizzi, Mandalizzi, I don't think, was was on the bench at that point, but I think do think he was in the building. But Scott Foster, who is the accountant who actually played uh, as an e-bug, the first ever e-bug goalie a few seasons ago, was actually the designated e-bug goalie last night. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if he actually got into a second game as an e-bug goalie. With two different teams. Set, with two different teams. That's yeah. a pretty incredible part. And he'd be a, alumni of two different clubs, kind of be torn as to who you're going to cheer for. And maybe when like David. you go David, to the Hall of Fame, well, whose jersey well, are you exactly. Wearing? Maybe like David Arizo puts you out of work. You're going to beat the Hawks. <laughs> That's not a good one. Uh, and for the goaltending, what would be interesting on Talbot, 
Uh, he has since training. Well, no, he had rib injuries, right? Rib was what kept First him up one, for that a was time. A, that was on a shot, yeah. Yeah, and then there are other times. But the one thing I'll say, and I don't know if you noticed, Hammer, you noticed on TV, JR, uh, uh, somebody landed on his left leg in the yes. game the other night, yes. and it was real awkward, and he was super slow to get up. And, uh, you know, again, just pure speculation, but, you know, you just wonder whatever, because it, uh, it was enough. It wasn't quite Forsbergian um, as far as the injury, but, you know, you could tell that he, he something was uncomfortable there for a little bit that I wondered if he was even going to stay in. But all indications were, um, af- you know, after the game and going into the game last night, that Cam Talbot was going to play. Uh, absolutely. Right? So yeah, yeah. did, did yeah. he tweet? You know, the injury you're talking about, yeah, I saw the replay of it uh, last night from yeah. Saturday that uh, obviously he did, you know, uh, you're probably right in looking at it now that uh, he tweaked whatever he whatever he tweaked on he Saturday. He tweaked the tweakables. He retweaked the tweak. <laughs> he tweaked the tweakables. Uh, and so, but it did not sound like there was no update from DJ Smith after the game regarding uh, that. So, yeah. hey, listen, for Kevin Mandelize, every day he's in the NHL, uh, he cashes a check yeah. for about five grand. So for him... I'm guessing, I think the team is getting on a plane, I believe, today for Seattle yeah. to fly out there. Yeah. Yeah. That at this point, with uh, with uh, the unknown of Cam Talbot, that uh, Kevin Mandelize is on the road trip, mm. cash another check for five. Hey, I'm in the NHL, five yeah. grand a day. I'll and to it. that, uh, if there's anything, I assume he just stays the rest of the trip chair, right? And so now, uh, Belleville has to, and I also, that, I don't know how they accomplished it, and I heard that he had flown on, on, an, on some type of airline out of Trenton, but it was amazing that his family was with <laughs> in all their jerseys. That that's dedication. Yes. <laughs> and they'll be making the entire road trip as well <laughs> with Doctor Bob. <laughs> there you go. So, yes, saw a picture of Doctor Bob at the United Center last night making the. What's he doing? Sixty games. Uh, I don't know, but regular post game he, caller. Do, he's doing. He's doing this trip, man. And he's driving. Yeah, driving Chicago to Seattle. Wow. That's a, that's a haul. Now it is beautiful as you get out to the west part of it, and uh, just west of Minnesota, get out to a little mm-hmm. Wyoming, yeah. Idaho, uh, obviously going, Washington State itself. Going but, through Montana, where I'll be later this summer. Oh yeah, uh-huh. it's so gorgeous. There. Doing yeah. the uh, the highway to Yellowstone. The, highway, Yellowstone. No, not going that far. Highway to the sky or something. Some famous highway that's up in the mountains. Do you get out of your car? Yes. You stop oh, on you, the highway? you have to. I I did that drive, and it, Why it do honestly, you have to? it's like being in Switzerland. The other one is, I think I was, I, I can't remember what state I was in. I think I had just left Washington State coming back, uh, but I got to a spot along the Columbia River. I think it was the Columbia, but it was like one of these little like areas where you could realize that indigenous people way back would have set up shop. It's like, man, I got to pull over. This thing is just so cool here. But You were scouting the... along the Columbia River? <laughs> no. I, trying to find I, you don't know who you're going to find. No, at that point in my life, I was trying to find myself. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the highway, hang on, highway to heaven. What was it? What was it it's called? It's a highway. Again? It's a r- road trip to the sun. I don't know. It's very famous. Apparently, well, it sounds like you're excited for no! it. Sounds like this was your I've idea. I've seen some pictures. No, my wife booked everything. Um, I've seen some pictures, and it looks nice. So after you do that, what yeah. what what do you do? You like just pull over for some blueberry tarts at any other kind of local bakery? <laughs> or it's, like what what else happens we're in Montana? In some small little town of like 200 people at some uh-huh. inn. This sounds like we're not going to see you again. I, th- I, this sounds what? like familiar movies. All right, you're in some small town. Everybody's really friendly. Taken down by somebody from Yellowstone. Oh, that's I'm, it. I'm what, just what, 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 what is the guy that kills everybody that uh, is lo- in love with the daughter? Yes, exactly. What's his name, Hammer? Oh, hey. not Biff. No, I no, uh, see. I was yeah. thinking Bart. No. And it's not Bart either. Oh, no, no, exactly. But yeah, I can see him and Jr. throwing down at the local saloon. Oh, I don't <laughs> see that. I'll, 
How long, how long would I last? You know, oh. let's say those those those, no. those fights on Yellowstone are all staged. Oh, you're not lasting long with a rip. I would. Oh, you rip. got it. Yeah, there it is. Uh, come on. I am I allowed to run? Like, am I running? Are you allowed to run? Yeah, yeah. like oh, I'm yeah. not in a yeah. ring. Yeah. Rips on a horse. Okay, he's gonna. You can run it. He's gonna grab his horse, yeah. and I don't know his horse's name. He's gonna have his rope, okay? Oh, and less, then you're in big time oh, trouble. Yeah. Oh, 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 baby! I, I'm more, I'm more worried about the you're sun. Get the sun's more likely just to pull the shotgun and just blow you away. That's I'd be a little more concerned about him or yeah. either son for that matter. Well, yeah, they're yeah, all in. One? That's all southern Montana. We're not uh, getting that far down because uh, I'm out. I'm, I'm out there for a wedding. A okay. I'm out there for a wedding in Banff, so we're taking a few days to oh, go nice. down into Montana. Yeah, okay. And then going back up to the wedding. You get a chance to see where Jake Sanderson was born. I, well, I think we're going through Whitefish. Yeah. Is, yeah. is there a tour? Well, I, maybe he'll, maybe tour? Jake will invite me. We'll be there in the summer. Yeah. It's August. Yeah. So I'll be back home. Maybe I'll drop by, like his dad is Jeff. I think they. I think that's where the family home is now. Is it? Maybe I'll, just knock, on, I'll yeah. just knock on the door. They're yeah. called homesteads. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, there were a bunch of players back in the day from Calgary and from Alberta that set up shop in Montana. Uh, trying to avoid Canadian taxes, so that became a bit of a hot spot with Shane Churl and a bunch of other fellas. Yep. If offered a ride to the train station, just say no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm with you on you that. No, stage advice. Right now, what, there. what's that's... what's the one uh, like cliff that they appear to throw everybody off? Of? That's, that's that's the border oh, with Wyoming. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. That's Yellowstone. So like that's... I'm thinking, man, I, I appreciate you doing that once. But like I think that the authorities might be a little uh, suspicious. Up into my rig when, when there's with ten, my when, there, when there's ten ten bodies yes. <laughs> right on the bottom of that same cliff. The okay? going. Thank you for the uh, text. It's the going to the sun road. Oh, going to the sun. Yes, that's the actually you're so high up in the mountains apparently. So anyway. clearly looking look it up. To the it. pictures look nice. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm gonna bring you. You got to bring your fishing rod. Do some fly fishing <laughs> nah, on the way. Hip hey, hey, you could end up doing a little bit of short. Don't let anybody throw a rattlesnake <laughs> at you, though. You're, you're, you're you make, a, long. make a nice little shore lunch. How no. how romantic would that be? No, you're just catching fishing. the trout. Oh, yeah. a little blanket down underneath the tree. <laughs> oh. Bring my Len Thompson five of diamonds. <laughs> oh. Hey, the trout. They just be they be jumping. You got Is that legal in Montana? We're gonna no hammer. We're gonna buy Jr. a wicker basket for his fish. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta have. Well, for his picnic, you gotta, you gotta have the wicker basket to tuck your trout into, hey? That's what makes you look like a good fisherman. On text at 12-1200, last night's game, just a small speed bump on the road to the playoffs. I'm manifesting a penguin loss tonight. Pittsburgh plays Columbus, by the way. That would be asking for somebody for, uh, and uh, that's at home, too. So, see us. game. And by Columbus, so this is the stage it's reached now. We remember this very well in Ottawa not that long ago, where uh, watching the out-of-town scoreboard means cheering for teams that are at the bottom of the stands with you to win. Yeah. So I saw the hockey writer from Columbus tweet out, good news, like last night, because Chicago won and San Jose won, oh. which are both oh, down at the bottom right. of the standings yeah. with the Blue Jackets. Yeah. So it was a good night for them. And uh, Only small size, but it is uh, in a bit of a way. Columbus and Pittsburgh is actually a pretty good rivalry, and as the crow flies, they're not that far apart now. I'm not saying the Penguins are going to lose tonight, Jair, but at least it always seems to bring out the best in Columbus when uh, you can think of what was the fella that broke his stick on the back old Sid the Kid. Uh, oh, neck, yeah. You know, but they've had they've had some pretty good uh, pretty good. Guy battles. always injured? Yeah, exactly. Played for the Rangers as well. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that Seven, narrows, number 17. That narrows it down. There you go. Champagne Steve, after watching that sad performance last night, I can't help but be critical. I think Batherson lost every single board battle and the one-on-one he was in last night. And yes, the Chicago effect is real. Uh, at a former job, we did a yearly Sens game staff event, typically going to see the Sens and the Blackhawks. 
The Hawks always won, and mm. Patrick Skane, Kane always scored at least four points. Wow. It comes from unsigned. And did we ever hear from the from, uh, from the crew that went for the game last night, Jared? Did not. Wow. I have their contact. We'll, we'll, yeah. You know what? We'll, we'll, uh, I think they're flying back today, so maybe we'll get them on the show tomorrow. A little strange, though. No, no, like, uh, thank you, JR. You know, kind of pictures here oh, and stuff. Oh, hey? well, maybe, you know what? It just The game just happened last <laughs> night. They're maybe still they're on the so, road today. They're so devastated. Hey? Uh, maybe they're still on Division Street, for yeah, all I know. True. Yep. Missed the game last night, saw the score, had to get uh, uh, on the Peloton to burn off my disappointment. <laughs> Hard to believe they underestimated Chicago twice. I'm calling it Richardson's Revenge. Yeah. It comes from Unsigned. Yeah, and again, I, I know the Richardson family's outstanding. Uh, Luke keeps himself in great shape. Are we feeling a little shoe polish there, or do you think that's natural? I'm not touching that. <laughs> okay. Luke's my guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, good morning. He's got some, he got a nice dark, dark, dark hair. Hair. That's good. Let me get this straight. Arguably, the best coach in hockey has the spine to bench his entire top line, yet our coach can't find the stones to sit either Thomas Shabbat or Thomas Shabbat and Drake Batherson. That comes from unsigned. Uh, you know what, unsigned? Um, I don't think the coop uh, right out of the gate was going to be sitting the big boys. So, hey, this is an evolving process for every coach, and it is gutsy. Like I said, I, I respect all that, year, but it still gets my radar up, man. When you're, you're doing that to three guys at the same time, that's an interesting one. Uh, but as far as the accountability part, uh, I would say overall, uh, I would agree in a sense of, I think here this has to be addressed. Maybe it's in the off season, um, but the habits of Batherson and Shabbat, unfortunately, just are leading to, and we'll see what happens on the stretch. But I'd also say this, uh, this is not the time to be piling on a coach who has made had a club rebound from nowhere, Jaron is in a playoff spot. So I should be quite honest with you. I, I give nothing but credit to him and Dorian right now. I wasn't saying that a month ago, uh, but it wouldn't be time to pile on. Whatever he is using uh, to keep this group pulling along, uh, obviously they've had faith in what he's doing because they've had a nice little run here the last couple months. Mark and Valemount writes, it's all my fault. I bet my buddy 50 bucks the Sens would make the playoffs before last night's game. That's from Mark and Valemount. From Rob, morning guys, it makes me laugh. The Sens would look down on any team. I'd have thought that blowing uh, blowing it against Rockford last night and desperately needing to get the two points would have been the motivation necessary. They need seven of eight points in the remaining games. Yeah. That comes from Rob. Uh, we sort of did the math yeah. with MJ. Yeah. And again, last year was 100 points to make the uh, playoffs in the East, but that was with some really bad teams. Yeah. The yeah. teams are better other than Columbus. Montreal's kind of you know, middlingly, middlingly bad. Uh, but Ottawa, Detroit, and uh, uh, and Buffalo are certainly much better than they were last season. So anyway, all that to say, I think Pierre Dorian said last week he thought 95 or 96 points. I believe it was Pierre Dorian that said that. If you do the math on where the Islanders and Pitt are at right now and Buffalo and Ottawa, like I got Pitt at, ni- at pacing to 94, then I got the Islanders at 91 So at the current pace. So like 92 points yeah. maybe – what it takes to make the playoffs, and if you're looking at the uh, what where the Sens are right now, uh, they are at 68. So that's 24 mm. points, yeah. and they've got 19 games left. So that's 12 and seven. Yeah. 12 and seven gets you to 92. Yeah. Now Inter- you'd like to have, you'd like to have a little yeah. a little uh, extra on top yeah. of that. Yeah, and but. it'll depend on the race and what you need. And I looked on March 6, 2015, where they were at, guys. Uh, they were three points out of a playoff spot in the Hamburglar run. What's interesting to how amazing it is, they ended up with 99 points that year, JR. But it certainly does vary from year to year, right? Um, you know, you have some crazy years, and 
I'm sure there's been other years where uh, 92 points got people into the playoffs. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Alex Dabrinkat. Obviously, last night was a big night for him, his first game back in uh, Chicago since the big trade uh, last summer. And uh, he got a lot of shots last night, but unfortunately did not hit the score sheet. If you're a Sens fan, uh, ended up a dash three on the night. But one of the big off-season questions when we get to that is the future of Alex Dabrinkat. We're going to come back and uh, talk about that when we return right here on Sports Radio, TSN 1200. We are back, 942, on this Tuesday morning, Sens fall 5 Nothing to Chicago. Last night, a very uh, forgettable uh, final result. And uh, day to uh, fly to Seattle today, and then uh, they'll be back on the practice ice tomorrow. Game against the Kraken coming up on Thursday night, late start, 10 o'clock. That will kick off uh, 3 and 4 and 4 and 6 for the rest of the road trip. Uh, Vancouver Saturday night, that's also a 10 o'clock start. Calgary Sunday night, 9 o'clock, and then finishes up a week from tonight uh, in Edmonton. And that. Uh, not that Ottawa's taken anybody lightly, although if you watched last night, maybe a little bit on Chicago, uh, the game starting next week against Edmonton starts a real murderer's row of seven in a row against some really high-quality opposition. So that's why you kind of want to rue uh, opportunities <laughs> given away and points given away last night uh, sort of sticks in your craw a little bit. I I had, guilty of it, I had chalked up, I thought, you know what? Like the Sens, I think we can all agree, we're, they were due for a bit of a stumble at some point, right? Yeah, They're not yeah. going to – no team continues to play at that high a level. I yeah. just thought if there was going to be a stumble in last night's game, it would have been a stumble and a win. Like mm-hmm. it would have been a closer game but still, yeah. you know, a win. Like that last night um, – and the first period was relative – it was close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the goaltending was maybe the difference uh, early on. But as the game went on, Ottawa's just given up a million chances. Yeah, and it's funny because I thought they played better last night than they did on that Saturday in Montreal, Jair. But he found a way. Uh, Mandelizzi played – or, sorry, Sogard played better. Uh, ended up winning 5-2. to So, hey, it happens. And since Hammer's on vacation, it will be his job to stay up every night and watch every Sens game and then mm. call us from the payphone in Florida. And give us a little bit of an update. That yeah. that's his task. Is that hey, you're on you're on vacation. You know his son is a, is a prime season ticket holder, part of Club Red. Uh, he's going to be wanting to watch in the ice hockey matches. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about Alex DeBrincat. Obviously, last night was his return to Chicago. They had a very nice uh, video tribute during the first uh, TV timeout for Alex DeBrincat. Who, uh, and my sense of it is, just in the interviews that we've seen, and he hasn't done a um, a ton of kind of personal mm-hmm. stuff. I. Mm-hmm. I Get the sense he's a fairly private guy at the end of the day, not a huge talker. Well, he's got uh, a young and, family yeah, now, right? And he was good yeah. enough to uh, uh, pop on the station yesterday as well, so we appreciate that. And you can hear that on our website at uh, tsn1200.ca. Uh, he also did a scrum as well mm-hmm. uh, after uh, the practi- the game day skate yesterday before the game last night. And, of course, him being back in Chicago for the first time, uh, an opportunity for Chicago reporters uh, to talk to him, uh, many of which I'm sure he's very familiar with. And so the topic of... Alex DeBrinkett and his contract came up. Do you hope that you can work something out long term with the Senators, or do you want to remain, keep your options open? Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to leave it to my agents right now. I think um, at this point in the season, there's no point to rush anything. Um, you know, I think we're going to just wait till the summer. We have a lot of big games here, and don't really want any distractions, so we're going to um, probably wait till the summer. All right, so uh, there is the update, such as it was, of we're going to wait till the summer, which I think at this point. The expectation has been there, and and every indication he's had in the odd time he's been asked about it, uh, he's pretty much uh, said the same yeah. that uh, he, you know, he kind of said to the team, and I think the team sort of agreed that once the season began, we're going to see how the season plays itself out, and then we're going to see where things yeah. uh, lie 
now this coming summer, but we're now heading toward that, and whether the Sens make an improbable playoff run or not, a decision on Alex DeBrincat is going to have to be made in this offseason. Yeah, and it, real interesting, Jerry. I have no indication. Now, part of that is with the player. What I didn't sense is he was incredibly emotional about going back to Chicago. <laughs> but it, and again, I don't know him, but it wasn't None of like, his buds are there well, anymore. Exactly, and Kane's a super bud. Um, and to factor in, uh, again, I've said many times on the contractual part of it, Alex DeBrincat, if he wants to stay and the Sens want to have him and you work out a long-term deal... He's going to want a modified no trade. Well, he's not eligible for that for next year. So to me, if you get into a negotiation next year, it's probably going to be a handshake that he's not going to be moved that first year. And that won't be accomplished, obviously, until the summertime, until you have new owners. So that's a factor. Uh, and then, yeah, just really at the end of the day, um, I don't think it's going to be any less than eight times eight. And are the Ottawa Senators also going to look at that and look at the financial books and Having added chicken salary and everything else that's going with it, uh, yeah, will that make sense to lock in another player on a big contract like that? So Alex DeBrincat, uh is uh, has played in every game this year. Uh, he has played 63 games. He's got 20 goals and 34 points. He's, uh, if you pay attention to plus minus, he is uh, minus 20. That's not quite Drake Batherson's minus 31, but it is the second worst uh, mark on the team. Uh, his 20 goals uh, would have him on pace for about 27, 28 or thereabouts, which is, uh, given the fact that he scored 40-plus goals uh, in two seasons in Chicago, two full seasons, and had another uh, year, the um, the pandemic-shortened season, in which he was actually pacing for 50 goals. Uh, I think if we're being fair, whatever you think of Alex Dabrinkat, I think if we're being fair, the goal scoring has not been as good as we all had thought it would be this year uh, in Ottawa if he comes in at sort of the high high 20s. All that to say, if you look at some of the analytics that are around um, uh, him, and even just something as as simple as shooting percentage, because I did the math on the weekend, uh, normally Alex Brinkett, uh, through his career, has shot at about, uh, I think it's 14.6% or thereabouts. So if you take um, uh, and you look at the number of shots, actual shots on goal that he's taken this year, if he was shooting at 14.5% as opposed to the 10%, which is actually the highest I think it's been all season. He was down around 7% at one point. But even if he was at 14.5%, he would be close to 30. He would be at about 28 or 29 goals right now, which, given there's 20 games to go in the season, would put him in the high 30s. Mm-hmm. So if, if big if, if his shooting percentage this year reflected what it had been throughout his entire career. So I guess the decision that's going to have to be made, ultimately by the Sens and by Pierre Dorian or who's ever making the decision with new ownership is going to be, is this year an aberration? And do we expect a, you know, a, a return to the goal scoring form of Alex Dabrinkat? Or do we have a little bit of concern over that? And if that is, do we want to commit ourselves to uh, a long-term eight-year contract at significant dollars, be it the $8 million you mentioned or... Or, or more than that, maybe making him the highest paid player on the team. Yeah, it's a great multi-million dollar question, Jer. For me, I, not, I would not do it as a Sith today. You know, the part, again, I watch, I don't feel like he's on the verge. And the thing I go back to, plus minus, certainly is somewhat of a factor, but only having 29 points at even strength and 11 goals, this guy's making $9 million. I don't care what analytics, I, I do care. And I understand, I'm respectful of that and the shooting percentage. Nine million bucks, man. I need this guy on a nightly basis to drive play, to play with pace, to generate chances. And in the second half of the season here, it just hasn't been the same hockey player. Now, he gets his chances, and he's a hell of a hockey player. But I'd like to kind of go under the hood and just understand why is there not the same pace, 
to me, he is not shooting the puck with the same velocity. And like I said, that even strength play, $9 million. Like I said, I, you know, as guys move along in their career, when you get to that, that snack bracket, I don't need anything other than results, quite simply. So to try to justify numbers, hey, I need him at five on five to be the best player on the ice on a nightly basis. And this hasn't been there. Here's the here's the really odd thing about Alex Brinkat in his NHL career. So he had a you know he had a really uh, you know rookie year played all eighty two games twenty eight goals fifty two points. Those are really 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 good numbers yeah. for your rookie season uh, in the NHL. And then after that, so the next season was his first season of forty plus goals. He had forty one. Then the next year after that was the was the year in which the pandemic stopped the season at uh, so he played seventy games, which. It was either either all of them or one or two short of a of what was considered a full season. He had only eighteen goals yeah. uh, in that season and forty five points. Then the next season, which was the year in which they only played fifty six games, he played fifty two. He had thirty two goals, so that's pacing over eighty two games to be fifty goals. And then last year, forty one. So if if you look at it, the last you know of the last four seasons before this season and throw out his rookie year, which was still good, right? Three of the four years, he's 40 to 50 goals. Mm-hmm. But one year is really low, like 18 and 70. He was on pace for about 25, relatively speaking. He was on pace for 25 goals that year. Like, you know, and this year it's going to be, it's going to be closer to the high 20s at the current scoring rate, but sort of more like that one year. So it's, it's, it's kind of odd in that, you know, he's, it's not like these are injury-related things. It's, he's had one production-wise, very relatively speaking, poor year, and three really great years. That's what makes a projection for me, if I'm the Ottawa Senators, a difficult one. I don't, I don't have a body of work in which I have a consistent year after year after year after year. I've got a pretty consistent, but not a totally consistent yeah. uh, production uh, window into this guy. And I'm, I'm being asked to make, you know, a a seventy million, you know, a sixty to seventy million dollar decision on yeah, this player. Yeah, and it's a, again a very healthy discussion. What I do feel is that he's an excellent hockey player and been very impressed from the offensive side of his ability to make plays, to see the ice, to run the half wall on the power play. Now I do look and understand that when with Patrick Kane and ha- that speed in the middle of the ice, um, you know, I factor that in a tad. But I also don't feel like he's one of these guys you've taken him away from somebody and it's like, oh my God. What is this guy? Hey, he's an excellent hockey player. He's still a very young person. Um, so I'd like to kind of get to the bottom of some of the pace issues and everything else and, and the adjustment part of it. I don't really, I don't like when people talk, especially when you're already 60 games in. Um, he has not really ever been comfortable playing with any Ottawa centers. And I know small sample size with Norris didn't work with Stutz. So that was supposed to be the dream trio, right? Coming out with Stutz, yeah. Debrinket, and Giroux. And now Pintos is hard because it's a rookie player, but the chemistry, you know, I haven't felt anything with him, which is kind of weird because he's he's an excellent hockey player, Jerry, right? He's not a one-dimensional goal scorer, no. um, but it hasn't for whatever reason uh, gelled for whatever reason. The other part of this is, um, is, is, the, is the fit, right? Uh, is, is the mix of Ottawa's, you know, let's say that Josh Norris comes back and, you know, fingers crossed, fully healthy for next year and, and he has, you know, like Shane Pinto has been this year. I think the the concerns over his shoulder after surgery last year have largely disappeared, right? Yeah, People are, yeah. you know, there's not, you're not holding your breath every time Pinto uh, no, delivers a hit. No. And you're hopeful of the same thing. So Norris is yeah, back next yeah. year. Um, you know, is a, uh, does the fit of Ottawa's on paper, top six, do all the pieces work? Do they all fit right now? 
I think we all agree that Stutzla Kachuk is an uh, unbelievable duo yeah. that you can just write in and pen for the next uh, if you're uh, you know the next eight seasons Absolutely. and you're real happy yeah. with that. Giroux is having a not a quite a career year, but he's having an unbelievable year. It'd be he'd be hard pressed to match these numbers next year. But regardless, he's had a really good year. Uh, and then after that, Norris has a bounce back. What do you have in Drake Batherson? And to a lesser extent, you know what what how does Alex DeBrincat fit? into all of this. Yeah, I think it's... You're not going to know the question about chemistry with Norris because Norris ain't back until next year. No, and it's also... It's both also financial and also philosophical. And if you said to me, and I said this earlier in the year, even when Norris was back, I I don't like that true mix in a sense of where Claude Drew's at in his career. But the way Batherson plays and the way Dabrinkit is as a smaller player, yeah, I'd be concerned about that formula for sure as a top six. Now, Pinto slides down... Ridley Gregg will be a full-time player next year, and you've got Joseph who's playing a little bit better, but oh, I think it's a, a real legitimate discussion, and I think there's times where, first of all, Batherson, very popular fella, um, I think he gets a nice little pass at the same time because of the bargain contract he's on, but yeah, th- this has not been the same hockey player that we saw a year ago that was headed to the All-Star game, and I'm not factoring in the ankle injury, uh, but for whatever reason, it hasn't been as good, so yeah, it's a real legitimate conversation, both in allocation of salary and if you were to do that on DeBrinkett, and you'd have to run the numbers, but by the time Sanderson comes up, you've pretty much made your bed, right, Jer? I mean, that that's your team. Like, yep. you know, you've locked yourself in, and I don't think, you know, most of the pieces, I don't think there's any question. With Chicker now being here, and I like Shabbat, and by the time you get Sanderson signed, you got Zub and whatever else is there. Yeah, but that conversation about the right mix of, you know, Giroux's not the biggest guy in the world. And when I put out that Batherson, I know Batherson has size. But he doesn't play like that. I've never really thought that. In the case of Debrinket, is that truly the mix around Kachuk to Norris to Stutzla? Yeah, I think it's a legitimate conversation of not being sure that is the right mix. The, the, the counter from people uh, who, especially if you look at counting stats, would look and say 40 goals is 40 goals. Yeah. And yeah, the hardest sure. commodity to find in the NHL is a guy that can put the puck in the net. Oh, big time. Yeah. And so if you're the Ottawa Senators, are you in any position whatsoever to be looking at not retaining a player who has a history of being able to put the puck in the oh, net and, and, in a 40 yeah, goal range. Yeah, and I so agree. And that is, you know, in talking to some other hockey people, yeah, that is the question itself. Yeah, either you're not. And and also, though, and again, Chikorin fits really nicely, but that was really when the Debrinket trade was made because of the circumstance around the salary, JR. It, it just, uh, it's, you know, it, well, it's a risky proposition. And like I said, I, I don't think the players hurt himself. But I also don't feel like I, I'd be begging him necessarily. But you're right. Like you, you've you've went down this path with the seventh pick overall. Uh, in what a lot of people in hockey knew, this guy's hey, he's got 18 million dollars guaranteed the next two years, unless you were ever to walk away from him, which they won't. But that's as simple as it is for him. He can have come back next year at nine million, wherever he's playing, have a monster year, and write his own ticket and whatever whatever team he wants. So all the moving pieces with this, not to mention a change in ownership, yeah, it makes it a really interesting. Uh, uh, discussion and if you kind of look into going forward from here, um, because there has been long-term commitments to four of the players, four of the so-called, uh, well, not so-called, they are the, the the core pieces to the team. And if you look at like to me, and I think everybody agrees, and they can sign Jake Sanderson to an extension uh, as early as this summer. He's still got his rookie deal next year, but they can sign him to a, a long-term extension this summer. To me, that's a no-brainer. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm like I've seen more than enough. I saw more than enough of North Dakota, let alone what he's doing here. Yeah, I'd and like I'm, to see. I'm, I'd like to see the rest of the year, and if he plays in the playoffs. Yeah, 
All right. I'm uh, eight now. eight yeah, years, yeah. Jake Sanderson. I'd be I'd be yeah. all over that. Yeah, you know, for sure. Right, okay. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got on yeah. Jake Chikrin. Yeah. You've just you know you've acquired him, and and he's still got two years left. But I mean, everybody says he's playing on an under market deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Chikrin, when his deal is up, he's turning twenty five at the end of the month. Is going to be twenty seven years old. So. Yeah. That's not old. That that's that's kind of prime real estate for a defenseman in the National Hockey League. Um, that he, you know, if if and I don't think it will be an if, the Sens would want to keep him on a longish type deal as well. That's gonna he's gonna surpass the dollars he's making this year as well. Mm-hmm. All things being equal, you can't have everybody on a long term big money deal. The math doesn't work. No. So as you project in it with what you've committed already, and then you say, okay, well, Sanderson, yep, for sure, long term big money. And then you look at Chikrin, yep, I'm signing me up for that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there even room for yeah. Alex to bring at on an $8 million deal yeah. at that point? Yeah, well, and, and one of the real tricks, and, you know, again, I don't think the Maple Leafs put together uh, great contracts, but COVID is definitely a factor that nobody could predict to JR. What's going on economically now with the TV deal in the United States would be interesting as well, but they're continuing to project out, but it's not going to go crazy. So, hey, you'd have to forecast a little bit financially, which can be tricky, and the other one on Jake Chikrin and understanding, you know, he, he is going to, in the final year of his deal, he makes $7 million bucks. And although it's no qualifying offers, he's unrestricted. Uh, I don't think Andy Scott's coming and taking your phone calls for anything under $7 million a year. So, yeah, uh, what will that number end up being for that? And can you afford to all of a sudden have Shabbat at eight? Uh, you know, I, I don't think the factor will be, but it is also interesting. I was doing some stuff on the weekend, JR. Like the the auto senators in the next couple of years for actual salary out the door, right? It will probably get close to a hundred million. Yeah. You got ballooning contracts of I think Shabbat in two years goes up to ten. Brady's up to ten. You know, he, yeah, yeah. So there's some big numbers for sure. This is this is basically in push to the the next person that's going to pay the bills, <laughs> which is you know Good timing. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I'm sure it's by design. But like I say, those are all little things to look at on Jay Checker. Hey. You're coming out in the prime of your career. Um, you have made seven million bucks, so that has to be factored in. And by the time, hey, could you afford? I guess uh, sixteen, twenty, you know, around twenty-three million for for Chikrin, uh, Sanderson, and Shabbat. Does that work? And does it make sense? Shabbat or Debrinket? No, oh, Shabbat for the defenseman. The defenseman. Yeah, you yeah. know, like just allocation. You know, yeah. and and do you have the right mix? You know, that's the tough part. Like you know, and it's so hard to put together a good hockey team. And then you get to the next phase of now you get to a playoff like Florida did, and you're like, oh man, we got really good players, but we can't win with these guys, <laughs> you know. And, and, then and you're people, lost, yeah. well, people have seen that here in Ottawa in all the years. Like, eventually, if you're not winning, someone has to be to blame, right? <laughs> yep. Our TSN 1200 Tool and Equipment Store web poll question: We're asking for your prediction, not what you think will, uh, not what you think should happen, but you think what you think will happen. What will the Sens do with Alex DeBrincat this summer? Three options for you. Sign him to a long-term deal, which will cost you big money, $8 million plus. Qualify him at $9 million, and I maybe kick the can down the road a little bit for a decision later on, or trade him. Three options. Sign him to a long-term deal, qualify him at $9 million, kick the can down the road a little bit, or trade him. What will the Sens do? Your prediction on what will happen with Alex Brinkat this summer. We're on for four hours and one minute, and we haven't even, we've left no time for strong opinions. Well, that's where we get Insta, in. Insta, Insta opinion. Instant opinion brought to you by No Hesitation. Simmer. Yeah, uh, they signed him to a long term extension. Okay. Qualify him. That's just, Kick the can. That's just a, that's just the wrong answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree. I think they're going to sign him to a long term deal as well. I don't know that's that's what I would do. 
But again, the question is, what do you think will yeah. happen? We and love that your allows thoughts. us the ability to second guess. Exactly. We're here for. Most importantly. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. We'd love your thoughts. Uh, already uh, over 900 votes in on this uh, at tsn1200.ca. What's it at? Uh, 62% long-term deal. Yeah. 22% qualify him. 16% trade. Love your thoughts at tsn1200.ca. We'll kick the can down the road to Steve Lloyd and Kenny Walls coming up on In the Box.